evening, he's waiting for the rain to quit. He's going to go in and speak with Sister Mitchell. And I asked him, I said, Pastor, how are you doing? He said to me, he said, Joe, it's another chapter of life. We've had many, many good years together. But you have to survive the many chapters of life. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. He said, I'm okay. He's here this week preaching with us. 87 years old. If you're going to minister with any effectiveness, if you're going to live for God for the long haul, you're going to have to know how to survive and process the different chapters of life. When he said that, it triggered my mind. I preached a series of sermons on the different chapters of life. But my focus tonight is how to survive the most painful chapters. I want to look at Job 13. I want to read a part of this verse, uh, verse 15. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Father, tonight we come by your blood, by the power of your spirit. God, I pray you minister, God. Give revelation and understanding about life, the different dynamics, different chapters, God. I pray not one here would escape your destiny and your salvation. God, give these men, these women, God, revelation how to survive various chapters of life. God, we thank you for them. All you do this week, all you're doing in this conference, God, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to think with me about those unexpected chapters of life. Job, Job's story begins with a testimony of a man living for God. Job 1.1. There was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and shunned evil. So here is a record of a man living for God. He has an incredible testimony when you think about it. Here's a man, and he's concerned about his sons and daughters, their soul, them being right with God. Job 1.5, so it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them. He would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it might be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This Job did regularly. It says he had seven sons and three daughters. 
So here's a man and a mark and a testimony of a godly man. You're not just concerned about your own soul and relationship with God. Every pastor happens to have this heart. You're concerned about those you have influence over. And are they living for God? And you offer up prayers and you intercede for them. Every father, every mother here, that's true of your children. So here's a man, he's a good father. He has a spiritual dimension about his life. He fears God and avoids evil. But added to that, and perhaps most important, listen to what God says about this man. Let me ask you this evening, what does God say about you? See, I'm not talking now what you say about you, what, you, you know, Facebook may say about you, social media, your friends. But the real issue of life is what does God say about you? Job 1.8, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, a blameless, upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So here's this spiritual dimension. Satan comes before God, and God throws on the table the testimony of a man living on planet earth. Now, you have to understand Satan is the prince of this world. He rules in the affairs of man and humanity and the earth. Uh, he rebelled against God. He was cast down to the earth. And so here is God saying, in your face, Satan, I have a man on earth who is nothing like you. He fears me. He loves me. He avoids evil. Uh, you rebelled. Uh, I have to judge you. Uh, you violated heaven. You violated your position in heaven. Uh, cast to earth. But here in your face, Satan, is a testimony of a man who lives for God. What's your testimony? Job's name in the Bible is linked with Noah and Daniel. But my point is, here comes this unexpected chapter of life. Not because Job did anything wrong, but because he did so many things right. Listen, listen, one of the things to processing life, there's always a bigger picture than what you're experiencing. There's a spiritual picture. There's chemistry and dynamics. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, a spiritual host of wickedness in high places. And so Satan throws this back in the face of God. He could not challenge Job's testimony, but what he challenged was the purpose of Job's heart for serving God. Why do you serve God? And Satan's accusation and challenge uh, was he's not serving you because he loves you. Uh, you built this hedge around him. Uh, I can't touch him. You blessed him. You prospered him. Uh, uh, the Bible says uh, uh, the work of his hands, his possessions have increased. And Satan says, but if you remove that, he'll curse you to your face. 
That's the challenge. Why do you serve God? Do you just serve God for what He can do for you? Do you just serve God in the good times? What about in the barren times? What about in these chapters that come unexpected, these painful chapters of life? Um, are you going to serve God and process that correctly? Because here is a larger picture. I repeat myself, what you're going through in the moment is not just about the moment, but it's about the future. It's about the spiritual conflict uh, raging here on planet Earth that you have a part of. You know, we sing that chorus used to, Refiner's Fire. You know, it's one thing to sing the chorus, but it's another thing to go through the fire. First Peter 1, 6 and 7, you've been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 48.10, one translation. Lord, I have, says, I have, uh, look, I have refined you, but not as silver. Rather, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Here's the fires of life. And many scholars say when this is happening, Job has no clue. All this is taking place, and you read the book of Job, uh, God never comes back and explains it. Some things you'll only understand in eternity. You understand that? Some things you're only going to grasp. Why did I go through that? Why did that happen the way it did? And in eternity that'll be revealed, but not always here on earth. But this chapter came so quickly... His wealth is gone, his children is gone, oxen, donkeys, his fields are burned, uh, and uh, his body is covered with boils from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. He's laying in an ash heap before the story's over, scratching, trying to ease himself uh, with some kind of shell or stone. Uh, and again, uh, uh, some scholars say he has no clue and it came so suddenly, he has no time to prepare. Hard to process those chapters. I was recently in Nairobi, Kenya, doing the Bible conference. Um, Pastor Tory Williams, my assistant, he gives me a call. He said, Pastor, pray for Spencer Garfour. Now, Oscar and Linda Garfour pioneered the work here in India many, many years ago. Pocky was saved uh, about a month or two before they left and went back to the States. Uh, but Spencer is their son, their only son. Uh, and so uh, uh, Tori calls me, and he said, uh, Spencer was on the basketball court the other evening. Some of the guys from the church, he's 26 years old. He's the pitcher of hell. He's married to Jocelyn. They have two children, two beautiful little girls. His parents, missionaries here in India, pastoring today. Her parents, Ed and Jessica Botnicki, 
pioneered our work there in Quanzhou, China, missionaries. Spencer's there on the basketball court. Some of the guys from the church are there with him. He's laughing, he's carrying on, and boom, he falls to the floor. Take him, so they give him CPR, they did several things, called 911, took him to the hospital, and they induced a coma. When I first heard about it, I didn't think it was that critical. I had a few more days of conference, I, a couple more days, I came home, from the airport, I went immediately to the hospital, and I'm there with his mother and father, his two sisters, his wife, these families, church people. Uh, and as I'm there in the hospital, and I go in to see this young man, and I begin to pray for him. Uh, the doctors are there, and I understand it's, it's incredibly serious. Here's a mother weeping. Here's a father. We're there with them pretty much night and day. Waited about five days. The doctor said, listen, machines are keeping him alive. They said his organs, they're deteriorated. We need to remove the apparatus. Uh, I'm there with them in the room. They remove the apparatus. This young man lived for about one hour, went into eternity. How do you process that? How do you process that? And so how do we survive these chapters? Incredibly painful, sometimes so unexpected in life. And one thing that is at stake is our faith in God. Job 1.11, Satan said, he will curse you to your face. What he's saying, God, he's no different than I am. But Job in the text says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Can you be trusted and do you trust God in these different chapters of life, when you're struggling, when you're barren, uh, there's difficulty, there's conflict, there's pain, there's disappointment, uh, there's demonic assaults in life, these midnight chapters, uh, when your mind and your soul, even your calling, your relationship with God, everything's under assault, and it's like you're being ripped asunder with a thousand demon voices. Heard me tell the story. I'm in the Philippine Islands. Our daughter's 15 years old on a back island. Pastor Mitchell, a missionary in Manila, he told him to get a small plane, get a pilot. They flew in. I'm there. I'm taking a nap. In the afternoon, we're staying in these people's home, and this missionary's standing there, and he said, Joe, I don't know how to say this, but Gail, your daughter, is gone. I said, gone? What do you mean gone? He said, there's been a tragic accident, and she's died. We got on that small aircraft. I had no credit cards, no cell phones in those days. Get back to Manila. I'm trying to get on a plane. 
hard to communicate with home. And again, it's not just the event of the moment. And I know that's in God, but it, it's much more than that. Hell is whispering in my ear, this is what God thinks about you. This didn't happen when you was out living in sin. You're going to serve this kind of God? You're going you're gonna to follow this kind of God? All of these thoughts, and somewhere over the Pacific, God whispered to me, trust me, I know the end from the beginning. And I made a decision that I was going to trust God. And here my daughter would be about 50 years old if she'd lived. Here I am all these years later preaching to you because you have to maintain your trust in God when everything in life seems to be kicked out from under you. Surviving the chapters of life. Job arose, it says, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, he fell to the ground, and here's a demonstration of the pain and the agony, a thousand thoughts, a thousand feelings, but then it said he fell to the ground and worshipped God. God is still, has worth -ship. Even in my darkest hour, God, you still reign supreme. You are still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, I still praise you. You still hold the answers to my future. Uh, and this is one of the dynamics. God inhabits the praises of his people. Can you still open your mouth and worship God when all of hell People leave your church, Pastor. Sickness hits your family or you. Can you still open your mouth and worship God? What a slap in Satan's face. Again, there's more that's happening than just what you're experiencing. I wonder when Job began to worship God, I wonder if God uh, looked at Satan and said, See, here is a man. He's nothing like you. Your testimony is more than just what you're experiencing. Your testimony gives leverage to God in the earth. No test, no testimony. Some of the most profound words you will ever speak uh, is when you feel like dying, you feel like hell is crushing you, and you glorify God and you testify of the greatness and the goodness of God. What we say to God and what we say to each other is critical to surviving these chapters. Hear Job. Watch what he says. Listen to what he speaks. Let me ask you, what do you say right here? When you're going through things, what do you say to your spouse, to your husband? What does your children hear you say? What do you say to your church pastor? What do you speak? Job 1.21, he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked shall I return. The Lord God 
gave and the Lord God has taken away. Blessed be the name of God. Pastor Mitchell and I have a statement. A pastor can pick, pick me up at the airport. By the time he gets us to where we're staying, you can pretty much tell what kind of meeting you're going to have. Some pastors pick you up. Hey, man, we had an outreach over here. Fantastic pastor. Can't wait for you to get here, man. These disciples, six saved. We had people filled with the Holy Ghost. This one was healed in that. And, and, and I mean, they're just talking about the congregation. Pastor, how do you speak about your people? Other pastors pick us up. Pastor Campbell, so glad you're here. We got 28 people and they got 7,927 demons in them. We need you to cast them all out this week. But you see, what comes out of your mouth is so, because these kind of chapters have the ability to reveal who you really are. God wasn't surprised. In all of this, the Bible says, verse 22, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong, did not charge God foolishly. Why is it when things go bad or difficult, there's tragedy, so why is it we always want to blame someone? When you don't get your way, disappointment, some trial comes crashing in on you. You want to blame God. You want to blame the pastor. You want to blame the fellowship. You want to blame someone. You become bitter. His wife come up. She looks at Job. He's on an ash sheep. He's covered with blood. Why do you maintain your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? What do you speak? People close to you going through things. In the church, at home, pastors, what do you speak to each other? And he rose up and said, Listen, 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 you're, you're talking foolish. The Lord give, the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job's friends. They're, they're trying to blame, and, and we understand Job had some issues, but it's interesting enough. When tragedy happens, it seems like it has to be someone's fault. And yet there's a larger picture. Our daughter died on a Sunday. March 1983. Sunday afternoon, she went hiking with some church kids. Her brother was there, our son Brad. Went to a state park. Was going to go hiking. It was raining. They thought they'd leave. It stopped raining. They went hiking. She slipped. She panicked. She fell about 100 feet. She lived about 30 minutes. You know what was interesting? This happened in a state park in the United States of America. I didn't blame Connie. 
Connie didn't blame me. She didn't say, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. We didn't blame God. We didn't blame the state. We didn't blame any of the other friends that were there with her. We didn't blame the doctors, the hospitals, the ambulance. It never entered our mind to sue anybody. The Bible says in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. The key to surviving these chapters, that you come out on the other side with your spirit and your heart right with God and with people, you have to speak the right things. What do you say to yourself? How many know you talk to yourself? How many know? You, you think in language. If you had no language, you couldn't think. What do you say to yourself when these things hit you? What do you say to other people? Words are so powerful, love. And the greatest temptation is to blame people and to find fault. How you process this chapter is critical to your future chapters. Listen, listen to what I'm going to say to you. Again, what you're going through tonight is not just about tonight. It's about your future. If you don't process these chapters correctly, it has the ability to default or abort God's future chapters that he may have for you. It qualifies or disqualifies. We had, as I said, my daughter died on a Sunday afternoon. I got home. It was Tuesday night by the time I made it home. We had the funeral on Wednesday. That coming Monday, we're hosting a Bible conference. It's in Marion, Illinois. It wasn't a massive conference. It might have been 250, maybe 300 people at the most. We're hosting a Bible. The last thing Connie and I wanted to do was to host a Bible conference. We just buried our daughter. What do you do right there? And I remember Connie and I talking, and, and you just kind of want to hide. This was so unexpected. She had, her and Connie had taken me, her and her mother had taken me to St. Louis. Catch the airplane to the Philippines. Had no clue this would be the last time I'd ever see my daughter alive. Buried her on a Wednesday, Monday, we start Bible conference. Connie and I made the decision. People are planning to come. There's people who are desperate. There's people who need conference. There's people who need us. We're going to do what we know we need to do when we feel like dying. 
in that Bible conference, the guest speaker called Connie and I out and gave us a word, Psalms 126, verse 5 and 6. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed for sowing, shall without a doubt come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves or his fruitfulness with him. Listen to what I'm going to say. What do you sow in these tragic seasons is critical to your fruitfulness tomorrow. It's not just about now. I know people that go through these chapters end of story. End of story with God. I've had people leave the church. I've had pastors spin out in rebellion. Maybe not a death, but some kind of disappointment. Some kind of agony. The future of this fellowship in this part of the world how you're processing your relationships now with God and each other is critical to what God will do should he tarry five years, ten years, twenty years from now. Pastor Mitchell mentioned I was just in the Philippine Islands a few weeks ago, Bible conference. I'm sitting there and, and Pastor Boyd's telling me over 300 plus churches in the Philippines and six different Bible conferences. Six different geographic locations, Bible conferences. And I'm sitting there in a maze. I can remember when we had one church. But I would like to say it was all just smooth sailing, but there was a lot of agony. Pastor Mitchell well knows a lot of tragedy, a lot of assault, and, and people spinning. But... But what they are today is very much linked to how they processed the vision, the fellowship, their relationship with God, and what's important. What about you right now? Maybe you're sitting here, you're in conflict with someone. You feel like you've been overlooked. You're not seeing what you want to see. But you see how you're mentally, as Pastor Mitchell preaches one processing it's not just about now it's about the future not just of you but of our fellowship this Bible conference here is Job and the Bible says in Job 42 Tim the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Verse 12, the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. 14,000 sheep, 6,000, it goes on and on. He also had seven sons and three daughters. This was not automatic. It wasn't automatic with him. It's not automatic and a guarantee with you. These chapters of life are God's design many times that you can take a look at yourself. We're in the hospital. Spencer's in a coma. Some of the young disciples in our church were there. The number of pastors were there. Pastor James Martinez was there. 
Evangelist Dave Eccles, myself, uh, Mark Tozer, uh, uh, Tori, we, we're all there in the hospital. Numbers of people were out here in this room. They've given us. Uh, here are some of these young men. They're on the basketball court. Uh, they know Spencer, grew up in the Lord. He was in our church for a number of years. Uh, and here's some statements. Ryan Salanoa made a statement. His father's pastoring today in Fullerton, California, mother and father. They're, they are obsessed with fantasy football. Do they have any fantasy sports over? Do they have it? They fantasy football. They create these teams and everything, and it is a fantasy. I'm, you know, I'm 70 plus years old, and I can still outrun most of them. But they're obsessed with this. They, I come up to them in church and I can hear them talking. And all of this, I said, you're talking about the Bible, aren't you? I'm about an outreach, aren't you? And it's all. And, and this young man, he's standing there and we're all talking. He said, Pastor Campbell, Spencer's laying there on the court. I can tell. He's gasping for air. And he said, it dawned on me. All the time I've given to fantasy football could do nothing for my friend in that moment. What a waste, he said. Craig Lewis, another excellent young man in our church. Both these men are married, have children, they're young. He's there with me, and he, and he began to speak. And he spoke for about 10 minutes, uh, and we're all listening. And he said, you know, this makes me realize, Pastor, I need to really, really give myself to God. I have no guarantee of time. He said, I really need to rearrange my priorities. He's not an evil man. He's not out doing drugs and crazy. But he says, I really need to commit and surrender and go all in for God. What about you this evening? Do you allow these chapters of life to cause you to step back and reassess what's really valuable. At the end of the day, when I stand before God, what's really going to be important? I just preached a sermon just uh, Sunday. When you stand be, you know, I know uh, India, you're obsessed with success. America's obsessed with, if I can just get educated, make lots of money, life will be wonderful. Say, I, say, that's true. I know you. I pastored you, just like you in Malaysia. And, but, you know, you stand before God. God is not going to say, well done, thou good and successful servant. He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know what success in the kingdom is? It's obedience and faithfulness. And you leave the end results with God. How do you process these? In our church in Jacksonville, Florida, they do a lot of plays, uh, big productions every year. A little over a year ago, they, the play was finished that night. They have all kinds of visitors, and it's uh, uh, Myron and Jim Levitt. They've been in the church. They're a couple in the church. They were the last remaining from the first 25. This church is 25 years old. 
They're still there today. They're over Children's Church, a great couple. And what is interesting is that they have sons, and the two sons are leaving that night. They're involved in the plays. These boys, when I preach, they always sit on the front row, big boys. Uh, they're going home that night, and the, this other automobile, they had a green light, this truck. It was a truck with two young men in it, maybe in their early 20s. They were drinking. They ran the red light and hit their automobile. Flipped it. The young boy who's a passenger went into eternity. We go there every year. Pastor Mitchell and I go there every year to preach. And I'm asking and I'm talking to Pastor Ron Maher. I said, how's Myron doing? He said, it's interesting, Pastor. People in the church come up and say, you're going to sue that family, aren't you? You're going to take them to court, aren't you? Myron said, why would I want to do that? Making them miserable is not going to bring my boy back. And then he said these words, because they'll, they'll all have the, 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 the police and the courts, you know, they, they are, are pressing charges, pursuing it. He says, I hope when I get to see the young man who was driving, this is what I want to say to him. I want to say to him, I'm glad it was my son that died that night because he was ready to go to heaven and you're not. What's interesting, since that time, here's Myron, he, doors have opened in high schools, detention centers, for him to speak to young men. I want to make one last statement to you and clarify it. If you suffer for God in a peculiar way, God will reward you in an unusual way. God will recompense you. After our daughter died, and I didn't recognize this, people would come to me after I preached and they'd say, Pastor Campbell, you're different. When you speak, when you preach, there's something that wasn't there before. What I have noticed, I can cross an international border anywhere in the world. Maybe I've never been there. I remember I first went to Russia, places in Africa, various places around the world. I can cross an international border and have immediate favor, immediately connect with a, with a congregation or a conference body anywhere in the world. Not because of my ability or anything like that. It's because I believe God said, you, you were in the Philippines. You were across an international border. When you went through and this thing assaulted you, God says, I'm going to reward you. As I said, I was just in the Philippines. I hadn't preached there in a few years, and I, I ministered on money, took an offering that night, and over half a million pesos came in, over 500,000 pesos. 
probably seven, maybe 750, 800 people. People donated land to the church. Pastor Boyd told me the next day, he's taking me to the airport, he said, Pastor Campbell, the largest offering we've ever had is 200,000 pesos. There was half a million came in. I just saw Pastor Glenn Cluck. I was just talking to him, rather, I'm going for his conference. Uh, he said, Pastor Campbell, the money just keeps coming in. I believe if you will process this correctly in the chapters, God will give you a divine favor in future chapters. Listen, listen to me, Pastor. Disciple congregations, it's not just about what you're going through tonight. Is that shaping and preparing you for future chapters to be more efficient for God? The end of Job's days was greater than the beginning. I ask you to bow your head with me this evening.